0: Shavuos centers on three key personalities, each of whom teaches us how as a Jewish person we have mastery over the world and therefore we can serve Hashem in the three key areas that each of us is required to invest in, in order to live as Jewish people. Who are they? We've discussed numerous times that over the course of at the time of Shavuos, the following people have a bond, a connection. Alef Moshe Rabbeinu, or Chavem says Giverni D'Teruah in Shavuos. That's Moshe Rabbeinu. First of all, because he was the conduit through which the Torah was given to us on Shavuos, which is of course the main celebration. Then, Bei David Melech, was David Meis Batseres. Then there's David Melech, who the Gemara tells us passed away on Shavuos. On Gimel the Balshemte, was Echzayni Stalkus is given Shavuos, and thirdly, the Balshemte who also passed away on Shavuos. Now, nothing is accidental or incidental. Everything is by precise divine providence. And if that's true of anything that happens in the world, it is definitely true of things that happen to the Jewish people. And more specifically, things that happen to the great leaders and uh, masters of the Jewish people. So therefore his movement itself understood as Allah firstly, as his dua there has to be a common thread that is applicable to Moshe Rabbeinu, to David HaMelech, and to the Baal Vos de talk, which would explain why their lives intertwine on this date. That's first thing. second of all, The common thread that must run through all three personalities has to speak to the main theme of the day, which in our case is Matan HaShavuot, their theme must be plugged into the theme of shavuos, the theme of receiving the Torah on the other hand, even though there is a common thread that runs through all three of them, there has to be a uniqueness. You've got three major leaders of the Jewish people and the common thread that we'll discover between them must translate into a unique expression in each of their cases. Here, definitely, "If you want to borrow an expression from the Gemara, we need all three of these great tzaddikim because of the unique influence that they bring to us as a Jewish people, and specifically along the themes of shavuos." So, let's find what's the common thread. Finding the kodesh meshutafos from Moshe, David, and Baal Shem is one of the common threads you can identify between these three great personalities. Is Given that each of them was not only a leader or a king of the Jewish people, nor in dem but much more specifically, in Dem Each of them was a pioneer of their particular kind of leadership. So Moshe Rabbeinu is obvious because he's Nasi because Moshe was the first person ever to be an ultimate leader over the Jewish people of a and especially when you consider that the Rambam says Moshe Abeinu qualifies hierarchically as a king. So therefore, is Moshe ben the first Melech by Medician folk. Not only is Moshe the first leader, the pioneer, the original leader of the Jewish people, but he's also the first king of the Jewish people. So he's a leader in a unique fashion and a pioneer in his field. David is given the Roshan tradition for Malchus based David. David Amedech is the first king of the Davidic dynasty, so he is the pioneer of that lineage. Again, looking at how the Rambam says that once David HaMedach had been anointed as a king, so he merited not only for himself to have the crown, but for all his male descendants right to the end of history. As the Rambam says, the lineage of kings will never be removed from David's family. The Baal is given the first of the and the Baal Shemtev is, Shem is the pioneer as in the first leader of any Hasidic leaders, any Rebbeim, in history. Okay, so, not, so what do we see? All three of these people are the first of a particular mode of leadership of the Jewish people. On their with well, that information, is So now we can start to understand the link between these special leaders, in Zer kudem to Matan Torah, how they link to Matan Torah and in a shared manner. In, in other words, in a thread that runs through all of their lives. Why? Because one of the key things that occurred at the time of Matan Torah, besides the obvious, that is, that we received the Torah, is given. What happened is, at the time of Matan Torah, Hashem declared us a kingdom of Kohanim. And Rashi explains that that means that we all have some kind of authority. We're all some kind of, of, of kings in a sense. So that's somewhere deep within our potential. What empowers us to be able to bring this potential to the fore? We learn that and we're empowered by the specific spiritual leaders of our times as we'll learn they empower us to get in touch with our Malchus side. Okay, so what's the connection between being called a kingdom of Kohanim, but specifically the principle of being like a king? What's the connection between that and Matan Torah? The from Mamrechas Kohanim to Matan Torah. In order to understand the link between Mamrechas Kohanim and the giving of the Torah, why don't we go broader and understand what does it mean to be a king? So to understand the link between what the Torah did for us and the fact that we became royalty, let's understand what royalty is. What is royalty? Is the core principle of royalty is his nasus. Somebody who is elevated above, or as it says, head and shoulders above everybody else. That's what royalty is. The king is above everybody. The king is removed from the ordinary nation. B is, and that has practical applications. The king may not participate in menial work, even though everybody else is. He has to be provided with all of his needs, and all of those needs have to be in abundance. Like the Apostlech says, that You should see the king in his glory, and his beauty. Another way in which you see the, the king's greatness, and also the fact that he is elevated above the ordinary, is that nothing and nobody in the entire kingdom can obstruct him. So for example, A king is permitted to break open a pathway through somebody's property, through a wall, and nobody can protest. Or The expression even goes so far as to say, "If the king wills it, if the king instructs it, you uproot a mountain. So that's the greatness of royalty. Somebody who's above the nation, who's extremely great, and is not restricted by any of the things of the nation. So with that in mind, we can understand how, at the time of Matan Torah, we became royalty. On hot Something like that is what Matan Torah did for us, because is We say this in our davening that by and Kiddush, by Hashem giving us the Torah, He elevated, He exalted us. Eden the elevated us over the normal reality of any other nation. In fact, the lifted us to be beyond the normal rules of nature. We are not beholden to the laws of nature. We, in fact, if anything, can control nature. In other words, When Eden said, When Eden mokim. As long as Jewish people do what Abraham wants, which is, of course, what is encoded in the Torah, so friends, we learn Torah and observe Mitzvahs properly. So then, not only will we get everything that we need with great abundance, like the Rambam says, that all the promises in the Torah about the brachos that will come to us are in order to facilitate that we should be able to do Mitzvahs. But besides that, no We won't even have to engage in the normal activities of food production because the Gemara tells us that when we're completely dedicated to what Hashem wants, others will take care of our normal menial tasks. So, what does that mean to us? On a personal level, it's a great aspiration and be a beautiful experience to have everything provided for us. But what's the message to us? It means like this. When we, as Jewish people, are expected to perform something that Torah wants from us, or to do a mitzvah, a Jewish person has to take an attitude, I am a king, I am royalty which means that the Jewish person has to engage in the Torah learning or the mitzvah performance as if they didn't have a single distraction or worry in the world like the king who doesn't have to worry about food or, or clothing or wealth because it's all just laid on for him that's going to be our headspace. we're doing a mitzvah we're the royalty we're the kings of the world do the mitzvah without any concerns there should be nothing about the, the nature or the course of nature that should in any way derail our performance of a mitzvah. Because we have to know, as Jewish people, when we're doing Torah mitzvahs, we are masters of the world. The world cannot interfere, cannot obstruct us. So whenever a Jewish person approaches, approaches their Yiddish God with that clarity and that attitude we are royalty that's Debish's gift for us then I don't have to fight I don't have to fight my Yitzhara I don't have to fight my distractions everything moves in a very restful tranquil way because this is somebody who lifts himself beyond the entire world around him. Because he's conscious of the fact that he belongs to this royal family. So nothing and nobody can get him away. I am royalty. If I want to break down the wall, the wall will break. So that's what a Jew has to remember. They wish to us, they wish lifted us above the restraints and constraints of nature, do a mitzvah without a concern, without hesitation, and they bush will help. Ah, Aid cannot do but we could easily pose this question. Look, I get it. If you're looking from the perspective of Manaschama, and particularly the deeper, more profound dimensions of guf, which is not really the part of Manaschama that is stuck in and engaged within the reality of the body, then it makes perfect sense. From that perspective, no force in the world, no experience, could ever break, interfere, or obstruct my deepest part of my from its connection to Hashem. Um, and the reason is, because this is my neshama, doing what Deibishta wants, it's completely aligned with what Deibishta wants, nothing can stop it. But that's not where we live on a daily basis. We live with the dimension of our neshama that sits inside the reality of our body and therefore is exposed to and engages with physical realities and those physical realities restrain and constrain a person and confuse or distract a person so how can you expect of me as how do you expect of a person to be able to transcend themselves and for real, in an authentic, genuine, experiential way, not just in a theoretical way. This is me. I am part of the world. How do you expect me to live outside of the world? So the answer is, we don't expect you to do it alone. That's why you have these amazing guides. Is then for them, as in jeden, der seinen Donisis, throw the responses every generation has its Nasi, its outstanding spiritual leader. haben in sich die those outstanding leaders, they are the epitome of royalty and of elevation. and they empower us to be able to draw on our inner strength and bring it to the form. If not the full force of our royal status, at least a sample, a taste, an experience of our royal status. Now as we, we know, we're talking of we here about these three outstanding personalities, Moshe David and Balshentov, each of whom was a tremendous leader and a king. And we know this because not only were they people who had all the things that they needed in abundance, but you can see from their lifestyles and their life stories that they actually had control over the, the natural world. And we know this because look at their stories, look at their histories. You see they lived outside of and beyond the realms of nature. Moshe is obvious. The entire Midbar is given The entire leadership of Moshe from start to finish in Mitzrayim and through the Midbar, was completely miraculous. Miracles, splitting the sea, man, the bearish amir, etc. David Amelch, he David also, his life was filled with amazing miracles that Hashem showed and did for him. V'mazetis and and read to him and see how often David Amelch is thanking David for an outstanding miracle that happened to him. and he and we know that the barshemtav, of course had a very miraculous life. Anybody who's familiar with the stories about the Baal Shem Tov and his students knows about these miracles. <laughs> to the extent that it's become a normal expression that people use, even ordinary people, that if something happens that is completely surprising and outside of the realm of nature, we call it a Baal style experience. So they all lived lives where you could see they were not beholden to the realm of nature. Nature was beholden to them. Therefore is, Thanks to those three individuals, each one of us has access to our own ability to be in control of, of our natural reality. And we can even bring it out into the fall. Now, to understand this better, let's get into the specifics of the difference between Moshe, David, and the Baal and once we appreciate and understand the unique contribution of Moshe and David and the Baal to each of us, which is to empower us to be in touch with our Neshama and to live higher than the world and to recognize we women. So to understand the unique contributions, we first need to examine the fact that Matan Torah had three very important aspects to it. The three aspects will relate to the three personalities and will then translate into three areas of how you serve Hashem. The first thing we identify is the very fact that Hashem revealed himself in an unprecedented way to the Jewish people at Har. enters the space on Mount Sinai. That was an experience which was completely supernatural. The whole world comes to a standstill. There's not a sound, no, no creatures move, nobody blinks. It's a completely supernatural experience, but, but it's a temporary experience. And as soon as the matin Torah is over, that's the end of the revelation. Level 2 base, the Teitzoon pool of Funder Hisgalus in Now, the fact that such a revelation had occurred made an impact on the world. as Even after they finished blowing the shofar, which indicated in Istal that Hashem's presence had left the space and the tremendous divine revelation paused, ceased it had an impact on the world the entire natural reality of the world had been now elevated and refined and the result of that is and now became more accessible to reveal godliness in the world than had ever been possible before so the first experience of Matan is the actual giloi at the time. The second impact of Matan is the effect of that giloi on the world after the giloi is over. And then the third aspect is, what's the purpose of all of this? Gimel, the tachlis for Matan the goal and objective of Matan Torah, was that the higher infinite realm and the lower finite realm should harmonize, should synthesize. On the Blachanatanya, to borrow the expression used in Tanya, which we're very familiar with, as Chassidim, macham forer olem hazagashmi, hatachnu shen tachnu lematem imenu, adir eloyesporch that we should take our world the very very lowest reality that exists and turn it into Hashem's home a home meaning where the essence of Hashem could be expressed that means even in the world when the world is a place of darkness there is no as there was at and as the darkness is doubled darkness the world is filled with barriers and opposition to Hashem that really war against Hashem claiming that they actually are the only things that exist. The greatness of Matan is that we are now empowered that even this, in this incredibly dark world we can manifest Godliness. These three principles, the actual revelation, the effects of that revelation to make it easier to reveal Hashem more in the future and the ultimate which is to transform our world into a place of revelation they are expressed they express in three epochs three phases of Jewish history first being when the Jews were in the desert secondly once the Jews were in Eretz Yisrael and they lived there for a millennium and the third is, how we live now in Golis. If you look at the Jews who lived through the desert, so they stood at Matan as living humans, and they experienced Matan as physical beings. They actually carried a residual impact of Matan with them forever. Which means, just like the Matan experience was completely unnatural, they lived an unnatural life. They lived in a desert, not where humans normally live. Living in the desert meant that they were completely removed from any normal physical activities. And they experienced supernatural miracles in every aspect of life, every single day. So they're still living in the afterglow of Matan Torah, which is completely supernatural. And therefore, Therefore they had the privilege of being able to learn Torah without disturbance, without interruption. As the expression goes, who could receive the Torah? People who ate the Mon. In other words, who could receive the Torah? People who had no investment in the physical reality. Then, in Eretz Yisroel, when they crossed the Yarden under Yeshua and they entered Eretz Yisroel, now they're in a, a regular land, a settled land. That's where you've got to serve the B'shte in a way that follows the rules of nature. You want product, you want, you want to eat, you've got to plow, you've got to sow, you've got to irrigate, etc. But... But in Eretz Yisrael, as written in that time, you could see Hashem's hand absolutely clearly. We know the pasuk says, Tomid." It's a land that the Abish is always inquiring after. Ainah looks after this land with a special oversight throughout the year. And even in the course of normal behavior, where you've got to follow the seasonal requirements of how you look after your fields, etc., you still saw clearly that it's the rain rain that irrigates your fields at all the right times. It was obvious to people living in Eretz Yisrael at that time that the is the provider of all sustenance. So therefore, living at that time, you noticed, you knew that the things you had to do in order to work, that you had to plow your field, you had to plant the seeds, etc. It was very clear that the purpose of that was only to open the channel to receive Hashem's bruchas, but your sustenance and your brochas are coming from on high. Okay, so in the Midbar, you know that you're living a miraculous life. In Eretz Yisrael, you're conscious of the fact that you have to input, but the is actually where the bruches come from. Now let's look at our reality. we live in Golos. You don't see the Ebeshter's hand clearly. B is, to the extent that a, a Jew could actually believe. That he is as beholden to the stock markets and to the natural... Trends as the non-Jewish person. Living in Golos, you've got to work hard to be able to smash that darkness, to be able to break that impediment to accepting that Hashem runs the world. Three phases. Absolute revelation, a residual revelation that makes it easier to do what Hashem wants, and then a loss of revelation, and now it's up to us to create it. And thus was When we said before that Matan was a temporary experience, that's not absolutely accurate because it says no in velt b'shal. We're talking about it had a temporary manifestation in the physical world. So temporarily, the world was in suspended animation, aware of Hashem, and then it stopped. But Eden aber. The Jews and their experience, our experience of Matan Torah, Mat- the experience of Matan Torah and the upgrade that Matan gave us to become this royal family, that was not temporary. That is now hardwired into who we are. As ye derid, every one of us, In matzev, regardless of our spiritual state, regardless of our spiritual state, the deeper reality of that person's, that Jewish person's soul is in ganzen Hecher von Altsarumim. It is absolutely beyond all the reality that surrounds the person. And it doesn't matter how many years we are from Matan Torah, we are still not under the sway of the natural reality. So now that we know this and we understand that there are three different phases and three different experiences but regardless of which experience we're in we have embedded inside of ourselves and we need the Nesim to bring that to the fore so now that we've identified three different phases in the the revelation of Hashem we can link them to the three major personalities associated with Shavuos Let's start with Moshe Rabbeinu. Vastorchem is given a Moshe facilitated the giving of the Torah. B'ezas Torah Nikris al shmoi to the extent the Torah is named Torah Moshe, it's as if it's his Torah. Hatuv <speaking> ketan in zayin <Hebrew> der his impact on his generation. the <speaking in Hebrew> the generation who were physically present at the time of the giving of the Torah. So Moshe's impact on them was as bazez al zayin in in from mleches kehanim imposhutin gashmes diken zin. The impact is that their experience of being royalty is real, tangible, physical, meaning like a king who doesn't have to worry about ordering food, earning a living, buying clothing. It all comes to him. That's how they were in the desert. The food came to them. The clothes grew with them, etc. Every year in the desert was intensely wealthy, and their day-to-day experience was totally supernatural. However, when they entered Eretz Yisrael, Eretz which is a regular, settled, natural land, at that point, the wonderful bread that fell out of heaven ceased, as the passage tells us as soon as you come into the land you're going to have to start working the land you have to engage with actual work and productivity even though as we've already mentioned in Eretz Yisroel the divine revelation is clear you know that Hashem is running the world which means that you recognize the truth being that Hashem is your sustainer. But the very fact that there's a need and a requirement to create the vessel to contain that bracha, sometimes that could also mess with a person's mind. The person could actually start to think, you know, maybe if I worked harder, I'd get more. Or because I didn't work hard enough, that's why I got less. And that could distract a person from Torah Mitzvah because you think, well, maybe I have to work harder. It's up to me. I have to make the difference. And that is the leader who addresses this issue. That even in a land where you have to operate in the normal, natural way, Zalait Kenon arose, bringing the Giloi. As there is from the Amlechah's koyanim, even in that place, the Jew could experience in a real, tangible, accessible way. I am royalty. I actually have control over the world. Das meint, as as ein in ganzen is able to influence a Jewish person to recognize that, in spite of all of their physical efforts to earn a living, all the bracha does actually come from Hashem. <inaudible> and obviously, if it comes from the it is abundant. <inaudible> And you can actually be aware and conscious of the fact that the bracha you're getting is actually supernatural. And then, so why am I working if it's all miraculous and it's all from Hashem? Because Dei wants me to work. I'm not working because it will make a difference. I'm working because that's what Dei wants. Because Dei wants us to do. So if you have that attitude and you recognize that all the bracha comes from the E-Bish-Tad, the only reason I work is because that's the system that Hashem decided. So then if there's something that you know I have to do in terms of terium mitzvah I'm not, I'm not distracted I'm not worried I, I don't think oh my gosh I'm going to be away from my field. That is behavior which is similar to royal behavior. I don't have to worry. I have to worry what's going to happen. But then we went through a different period of history, which is the dark experience of Golos. the frightened excitement is given on in Finster, especially recently, when the darkness of the Gous became a much darker darkness.. And now we've reached a point where not only do we have to work. But we have a tremendous amount of stress around that work, which is something actually unique to our generation. Firstly, the hours that we work are unique, the way that work enters our our personal space is unique, and the stress and anxiety around work is unique. So therefore, So now the Jewish people need a new input, which is actually a more advanced input, to be able to awaken the Melech, the royal perspective, the fact that we're beyond the na- nature in such an oppressive world. came <laughs> because a person would think, as <laughs> in, where there are so many obstructions and so many things that conceal our opportunities to do. di surely they should be so impressed just simply with the fact that we're doing what we're supposed to do. I mean, to get to do what the Eibush wants, that takes a lot of effort, a lot of internal battle, and a lot of overcoming obstacles. So then, can you imagine if we don't just do what we have to, but we actually do it in a beautiful way? We learn more than we're required. Then the should be so impressed with us but the person will wonder in today's stage how could I engage with Torah like a king like as if I control the world have you seen what a world we live in how oppressive how invasive how ubiquitous the world is you expect me to live in a way that none of that distraction exists none of that darkness exists none of the pressures exist so, therefore, the Bal Shentev arrives and teaches us that even in the darkest, deepest hole of Golos, a Jew is fundamentally beyond all of that and therefore can lift and rise above all of that. And the film varies from Mamlechas Kohanim. Even in today's trying times, and they are trying times, a Jew is capable of feeling, I am. A king. And a king means that the Abisha is looking after me with personal attention in every single area of every single day of my life and gives me what I need. So the influence from the Baal Shem To be able to awaken this sense of royalty, the sense of being empowered to do what the Abisha wants, even in such a dark Golos. Is even beyond the input of Moshe Rabbeinu and David HaMelech. Because Moshe Rabbeinu had, had to deal with bringing out the, the Malchus in people living in a miraculous world. It doesn't need such power. Even David HaMelech, it's in Eretz Israel. But what the Baal Shem Tov had to find for us is so deep and so profound and so advanced, it hadn't existed before. Thus. The fact that a Jewish person is able to lift himself beyond the natural order when he's living in a miraculous desert, completely isolated from the world, or the next stage where the person is now invested in the world, but which world? The world of Hashem's land, a world of holiness, a world of clear divine providence that does not yet illustrate how infinite the capacity for a Jew to be in control of his environment is because the environment is conducive you don't have to be so powerful to control it because the person is not so chained to the limitations of this world so it's not such a big cup that the person is able to overcome it but when a Jew lives With this absolutely elevated perspective Even in the darkest times Where the person shows That I'm not going to follow step by step I'm just going to like Glide right over the challenges I'm not going to follow a step by step program I'm just going to immediately f- Fly over the problems from the tifnesh from chesher Hagolus to the heichai from Emleches Koyhanim, that's where a person is able to go from the deepest, darkest part of Golus to the highest level of being Hashem's royal family. Now we can't make the mistake of thinking Moshe's impact was only relevant in his generation, David in his, and only the Bar Shemtav is relevant to Now we can't make the mistake Chas of thinking Moshe's impact was only relevant in his generation, David in his, and only the Bar is relevant to us. Or that it's only relevant in certain time frames. Moshe, Doyam Midbar, David, in Yitzchir Israel, and Barshent, Eiden Bismanagolus. But the pule from Moshe and David, and Barshent, is anitzris. You're talking about the greatest tzaddikim over here, and whatever they impact the world with, is an, it's, it's an eternal impact. Vastefar v'et Moshe anglo from Turchiad, Eiden Moshe and That's why we today, thousands of years later, still call Moshe our teacher, our reb. Veg'nd David Amerch zokti yadid David Amerchisol chay v'kayi mechitster. And when we refer to David HaMelech, we say he's still alive. And because we know that the arrival of Mashiach is contingent on spreading the Baal Shem Tov's teachings, it must be something which is relevant to every single Jew in every single generation to be able to bring Mashiach so how does their teaching how does Moshe Rabbeinu speak to us we're not in the Midbar how does David HaMelech speak to us we're not in the biblical Eretz Yisrael. so in the same way as there are three times in history going to, as we're going to see there are three areas of how we serve Hashem so what we'll say is just as there are three phases in history there are three groups of Jewish people and then out of the three groups of people each one of us as individuals has three major areas of how we serve Hashem and we know this because Avoidah Hashem tells Bikholas in Sugim you could generally divide Avoid HaShem into three channels Torah, Avoidat Tfila, which is dabbling, Ungemanas Khasodimai Sa mitzvos, doing mitzvahs, and beyond just doing mitzvus, the capacity to recognise Dabishha even in mundane activities and to direct all of those mundane activities towards Hashem. In the Zemanima, now, these three areas of our avoider, they link with the three periods of history, Midbar, Eretz Yisrael, Unzman Hagolos, okay, which we've already discussed before. So what's the difference between Torah, davening, and mitzvahs? Torah is the Gideon of the Teira, Torah, like Matan Torah, that's divine revelation. That's when when you learn Torah, actually what you're doing is you're accessing something which is beyond yourself, and you're bringing it down into your own mind to understand it. So to be able to reveal the Abish's will and the Abish's wisdom in our world. That's why Torah is what elevates a person beyond the world. Like the Jews were in the Midbar. Tehra turns us into a king, Kamaim Rasal, Rabbonon, Ikram, Malochim, the Gomorrah says, that the, the, the people who learn Torah, the rabbis, they are considered the kings of the, of the nation. And what does a king mean? That we actually control the physical reality of nature. Like the Gemara very famously says that there are certain things that depending on halacha, once we rule a halacha in a certain way, the physical nature of the item or the person changes. So we become a master over the world. What's Torah? Bringing the Ebershter into the world. Tfilah is almost the exact opposite. It's me asking for what I need from the Mishpah. Obviously, the person davening must acknowledge that the Mishpah is the supplier of all things. Otherwise, why would you ask Hashem? Which is similar to what we described as life in Biblical Israel, where you know that the Mishpah come from the but you've got to do your part. But the fact is, davening is focused on self, my needs. The person is asking, I want David, to please to give me what I am lacking. But even when the person is davening, the person is not engaged in the physical world. It's, it's similar. Like When you're davening, it's kind of similar I'm asking for what Abishta can give me in a way like when the Jews were living peacefully in Eretz so without interference from other nations. So while you're davening, you're not actually in the world. What you're doing is you're saying, Ebishter, I need these things, please provide them. But the minute you're doing a mitzvah, you're in the world. You need physical things in order to do a mitzvah. And especially that whole area of avoida which is to elevate mundane activities to be holy is an avoida There the challenge and the avoida is to take that which is physical part of this world and transform it to become holy as in That the holiness should shine through those physical things which is similar to the time of Golos but the Jewish people are amongst the nations of the world. That explains the impact and the influence that Moshe Rabbeinu, David HaMedach, and the Baal Shem have on each of us throughout the generations. Moshe, whose entire focus is Torah, is the one who is able to reveal within us that we are royalty that we are masters of Torah and that we have the opportunity to be people who are completely separated from this world totally invested in Torah learning and therefore we could be called actual kings and by the way even if we don't become somebody who learns Torah 24-7 well, at least those times where we are actually dedicated to learning Torah, as hot dem while you're learning Torah, even if it's a short period of time, you can completely leave your worries and stresses behind. And you could be absolutely engaged with Torah learning like somebody whose full-time occupation is Torah. Samoy Shaban gives us that power. David is the paragon of davening. That's why he wrote Telem. So, the kingship, the royalty of David HaMelech, empowers us. That even our davening should be in a royal way. What does that mean? Yes, I'm asking for what I need, but I'm royalty. What I'm asking for will be fulfilled. Not like a regular type of prayer. Where it's me standing down here on earth, my, my little puny me, trying to reach out to Hashem. And therefore, there might be a whole lot of barriers along the way that don't allow my to achieve what they need to. Maybe the answer will be no. Or maybe it's going to take time. It will only be partially answered. David HaMelech empowers us that not take onken agbolos and that immediately, without restriction, and in the most perfect way, our request will be fulfilled as if it was a king making a request that has to be fulfilled. In fact, the interesting thing is that the kind of davening that David HaMelech teaches us to have is the kind of davening that has impact on the world, like Torah would have. With Tzel we know the story the Zohar tells us. As that when Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai needed to activate rain during a drought, he didn't daven. from he taught a mystical insight into a Pasukin about the beauty of human of us connecting as Yidden. and the rain came immediately, and it was good rain, not not torrential, and not too soft. By the way, that's why, if you have a look at David, I a style of Tfilah, which is Tehillim. It's actually got both aspects to it. The style of Tehillim is that it is prayer and praise of Hashem, which is davening. And simultaneously, it's part of Tanakh. Which tells us that Tehillim impacts the world not like a normal filler, but like Torah, which has authority and power to actually change the world. The is And the Balsentav's Innovation is that you could see the Eibushter's oneness in the physical world. Vidamites von Nivra is that is es bechol The Eibush, sorry, the Bal illustrated to us that at every moment we could see that every single thing that exists is only that way because right now the Eibushter is making it happen, bringing it to life. das how did the Baal Tov illustrate this point to us? By teaching Torah, by explaining an insight into the possible. And that of us that even at those times where we are engaged in the physical world, doing business, using technology, eating a meal. In fact, sometimes we even engage in the materialistic nature of physical things. And even at a time when we don't seem to see and experience godliness. Which is why in order for us to make a difference to the world, we feel that there is a need for some battle. The Baal Shem Tov empowered us that that battle we don't feel weak. We feel in control. Kings also go to battle with a sense that they have the wherewithal to win. So therefore, as soon as we start the battle, we already know. Because I belong to the royal family. Like the passage says. Right from the beginning, I know that I am at a higher, more empowered state than the enemy. So therefore, my success and my victory is from on high. The Pasuk says, the will deliver the enemies into your hand. You'll, you'll succeed. And then we'll be able to take captives, which means what that means is we're able to extract the divine spark that was buried inside this particular physical item or activity that I've engaged with. To the extent that we can transform the darkness to become light, the bitterness to become sweetness, which of course is what will be in its ultimate state with the coming of Mashiach, which should happen taken from Yad Mamash.